Hi, this is David Sweet, CEO and founder of Focus Core Japan. And if you were like many of the APAC leaders that I speak to, you're struggling in Japan to find the right talent. You get bombarded with irrelevant resumes or a lack of resumes altogether. I would like to invite you to discover the power of Focus Core's retained search. Let Focus Core help you swiftly secure top tier talent in this candidate short market. I'd like to invite you to shoot me an email and explore how we're different. And with a 100% refundable trial, we can revolutionize your hiring process today. Now, on to our podcast. Welcome to the Focus Core Podcast. I'm your host, David Sweet, founder and CEO of Focus Core. Today I'm, I'm joined by William Neely Jr., who is an articulate and dynamic professional of leadership development and organizational development, who's worked with some world class organizations within Japan. William is originally from Kansas City, Missouri.、Uh, he's a huge sports enthusiast. We'll, we'll speak a lot about sports,、uh, particularly around tennis,、uh, in, in this episode. We will talk about how sports relates to business. We'll touch upon Jim Lair,、uh, who, if you don't know, is a sports psychologist and、uh, someone that. Is very influential within、uh, bringing sports and business together. We're going to talk about company values and how he's,、uh, William has helped create company values for his current organization. We'll talk about、uh, how organizational development can help、uh, companies grow,、uh, how Companies can do better, and some easy wins to develop their staff, some pitfalls that they can uh, uh, avoid. And in general, hopefully, you'll walk away after listening to this podcast with having a one or two omiyage to take back to your organization and implement to help grow your staff. So I bring you William Neely Jr. He's sweet, Dr. Sweet. I've been waiting to say that. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Nice, nice good to be here. Obviously, we've known、uh, each other for some time.、Uh, we, we share a lot of the background with,、uh, we were, both came over on JET for a bit.、Um, we both have、uh, been in Rotary in some form or another.、Yeah. Um, you were in, growing up in Kansas City, I in Denver. So we have some animosity there, which we might get into later. But.、Yeah. <laughs> But before we get started,、uh, can you summarize your background and your path that's led you to doing learning and development with some of the industry leaders in Japan? Sure. Yeah. So, like you said, I mean, I first came over on the JET program. So that's when I got into education, I guess. It probably starts there, right? I mean, I'm in learning and development, which is at its core, it's, 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 a, you know, it's facilitation, it's teaching, it's, It's program design. And a lot of that stuff was started during the JET program. 
you know, uh, and I had studied Japanese in university. So that's how I kind of went into the jet program. I was in Oita City for three years, um, the mid 90s. I remember um, this is so mid 90s before the Internet. Yeah. Uh, and I got the letter from Jet from uh, Momokagaksho yeah. saying I'm going to Oita. And I, I remember what's Oita. I had I got out an actual atlas, a book to to search. I'm looking all around. Okay, ah, it's in the south. Great, cool. Oita is in Kyushu. So anyway, just to give a sense of how far back this goes, you know, my Japan experience, my first Japan days. So three years on the jet program in Kyushu, and then I I left for um, about seven years um, and lived different parts of the world. Basically, still see you know kind of kind of learning and growing. I lived in Europe for a while in Barcelona in the West Coast and LA, San Francisco, Las Vegas, uh, doing various things, basically, uh, I, th- I guess, becoming a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I did a, a couple of years working at the Japanese consulate in my hometown in Kansas City, yep. where I'm from. Um, and so that was my reconnection back to Japan and the Jap- Japan Japanese government, I guess. And that was a connection to Japan. And that was also a connection into Rotary, yep. um, which uh, the Consul General at the time introduced me to a program called the Rotary World Peace Fellowship Program. Um, and that was, you know, he said, are you interested in world in um, peace studies? Yeah. And at the time, I thought he was saying peace studies <laughs> as in the letter P. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. I looked it up later, peace, peace studies. So that was uh, how I became int- introduced into the world of, of peace education and peace, peace work. And that took me back to Japan. Um, well, I, I spent two years as a Rotary World Peace Fellow in at ICU, mm-hmm. which is International Christian University in Mitaka. And that was in 2004. So okay. I came thinking I was going to be there for for two years. Um, but during that time I met my, my now wife. And so put down roots. Um, and, uh, yeah, I went into recruiting at first when I, after I graduated from ICU, I did executive recruiting for two years. Um, guys, K companies mainly. And then I went into leadership development, um, in the company called impact. Yep. Impact International, um, and it's a it's a European company. They're based in England. Um, they do leadership, team communication, etc. Um, and so I worked there for five years, and then I went into from there. I went into in house into talent and talent and learning manager at Adidas. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, maybe I'm, I don't know if I much detail I should go into these things. You want to kind of a summary, maybe just sort of a. Sure. Yeah. Well, we can break it apart when we, we get okay. there. So, uh, learn talent and learning development at Adidas for, for five years. Um, great, great experience there. Part of that in Japan, part of that in the U S mm-hmm. and then, um, I left Adidas in 2018, uh, when I was in the U S mm-hmm. matter of fact, um, came back to Japan, worked at Nissan in global talent. Yep. Um, so in the headquarters in Yokohama, and I was there for around two years. Um, 
and then that you know that was a whole other experience crazy you know during a lot of the drama that was happening um it's 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 been drama kind of every place i've gone and i'm not the cause i'm not (laughs) i don't think there's other people but i get it i get into it it's it's a good way to see how the world works um and then after after adidas and after nissan uh is when i was recruited to go into my current company which is cartier um and i've been at cartier as a senior manager for learning and development for for two years and I'm not uh, talking to you today as a representative, as you know, of, of yep. I'm here as myself, but that's where I work. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about uh, L&D, and uh, I'd like to dive into that a, a little bit, because um, that's my background, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, employee development, learning development, and uh, I still, even in recruitment, I consider myself an educator, and I think that's where we've, uh, we hit it off when uh, you were at Impact, and and we were looking at uh, different uh, paths for you as well for uh, back in the day, right? Yeah. But the, one of the other passions that we share, and one of the things that you haven't talked about is sport. And you, you're the man out on the tennis court. Well, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know. Some people might beg to differ. And, and I, you know, but I, I play a lot. I've been playing my whole life. It's a big part of my life for sure. Uh, how do you think, and you know, we've talked about this online, offline, but let's let's bring it online. How do you feel that sport relates to business for you? Uh, well, I think you know, there's there are so many cliches about it. I mean, and you know, businesses is war, or businesses, you know, zero sum, and or you know, lessons learned, or sports build character, or sports reveals character. There's all that stuff. Yeah. And I yeah. think there's truth in that. You know, there's some kernel of truth in all of that. I think where I connect with it more is maybe, you know, on a visceral level, right? Like we can always be better. Mm-hmm. You can, you, you, you lose, it hurts, but there's lessons in it. Mm-hmm. It's about not being satisfied with, with a certain result, but also not beating yourself up when you don't have the result. So really what it boils down to what, you know, and it's taken me many years to come to this point. And, but it's, it's, I think the core of it is around a growth mindset. Oh, I like that. Um, the, the thing that if, if you try harder, you can be better. Mm. We have strengths and weaknesses. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. It's about how do you minimize your development points how do you strengthen the development areas but also how do you use your your strengths to to the maximum you know and and everybody's different you know we're diverse we're people and in business and in sports you have strengths you have weaknesses but how do you maximize and minimize the things that are going to help you perform better and i think that's the core of it and there's so much more that goes into that i mean as you know yeah. you know yeah. personality all these different things but at the core i think it's that's the, I don't know, the common thread for me uh, between sports and, and business. Mm. I know when I'm, I'm recruiting folks, one of the things I, I, and I, growing up, I was not an athlete. I didn't like sport, um, but I've learned the importance of, like you say, that core, that the getting better. And part of what 
like in a marathon, I'm not going to go out and beat Kipchoge, but I can go out and beat myself from what I did previously. And, and that's, it's that incremental improvement. It's the, I always like to use the persistent consistency mm -hmm. where it's about practicing and it's almost, um, it's learning a craft and there's not an endpoint. It's a continual spectrum. And there's not, whereas so many things we look for a goal. And I think around sport, there might be winning, there might be a cup, there might be a, a tournament that you, you shoot for, but it's still after that, there's still that, that consistent improvement. And, and I think that always improving is so important within that sport mindset. Absolutely. Uh, I, we, we had talked about, um, um, when I went back to the US, I met, uh, I was lucky enough to meet Jim Lair, uh, and the, the uh, Dr. Lair who uh, worked a lot in uh, mental toughness training in sports, specifically tennis, right? Yeah. That's where he did his sport is, and that guy's amazing. What and, context did you meet him in? What kind of, was it in a, a conference or you just, you met him somewhere or? I went over to, so I was at, uh, at my previous company and I was looking to move to Florida. And so yeah. I was looking for a job. <laughs> so, and he and I both uh, went to school at Regis University in Denver. Okay. And so I, and uh, so I sat down with him and was asking about work and doing some employee development for his, uh, his group over there. And since we had taken so much of his materials mm -hmm. and incorporated it into our sales team and that mental toughness training and sport was a huge part mm -hmm. in how do you take the, the five to 10 specific points, elements of your job and incrementally improve on your lowest points mm -hmm. and work on those. And we, we called it win. We improve now. And we had win partners and we would sit down each, each, uh, each week with a win partner in the organization and, you know, be held accountable. And, and, oh, wow. and that was all from Jim Lair. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know about that part. That's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah, I, I, I said, I've been playing tennis since I'm a little boy. One of and in one of the first people I remember hearing about was him. Um, even, you know, before, probably before Balateri, even, yeah. I think, uh, I must've been eight or nine. My mom went to, uh, Dennis Vandermeer. Do you know who, have you heard of, oh, he, yeah. he's, he's got an academy. He, he, it was in South Carolina, Hilton Head, South Carolina. And, and Dr. Lore, Jim Lore had a, a one week mental tennis, mental toughness training that he did. And my mom went there for that. I must've been eight. It was early eighties sometime. And she was, and she came back and was telling me about it. So uh, I remember hearing his name; it stuck with me. And then later on in life, when he came up in the context of business and you know self improvement and and other kinds of toughness uh, in different contexts, he was already familiar. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I've known about him for for a long time, but I have not met him myself. Uh, he's he's a nice guy. I, for for our listeners who don't know uh, um, him, his his main study was that most tennis players have the same physical capabilities. They're in tip top shape. And so what he studied was the, the time between the points, 
that that mental point where mm-hmm. you got the ball and you're you're getting ready to serve between the play and mm-hmm. that was the the sliver of time that he worked on with athletes to improve right and and i think in business that's i you know i manage sales teams and it's a mental game for a lot of these sales people because a lot of times they're they might win or they might lose but it's in between those sales what do you do what do you do we 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 actually we were i so i still talk to my mom uh almost every week and tennis is one of the big things because she's still playing competing and i'm competing wow. but we talk about this kind of stuff um it, it, what they did in one of the, the things that i remember the most that they did at that that one week thing that that camp that she went to was they had them playing mm-hmm. they had playing points and then they had the other people in the part of the camp would be in the stands on the side and so like it's, so it's my mom's turn to play a set or a few games and the people inside were throwing stuff on the court you know hollering you you know you suck or you know whatever it might be <clears throat> you know really trying to distract them as much as possible right yeah. which is way beyond what you would have in an actual tennis situation but how do you respond to that mm-hmm. you know what are the things that are going to help you trigger keeping you in the space your optimum zone or whatever, not get distracted. Don't let that bother you. Don't take things personally, whatever it might be. And one of them is a mantra. Mm, mm, one of the mm. things is what can you say? Your easily repeatable phrase, a word, a couple words that can bring you back into that place. Right. And it's something that so I've been trying to do that with varying levels of success, but, and I do it in business too. Now, you know, like you say, where are the, where are the commonalities? Like, okay. What are the actual things that you can do to not get flustered, to not fall into emotion, to take you out of your game? Because people are trying to take you out of your game yeah. on a tennis court and in business. You're doing a negotiation. They want to have an upper hand over on you, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, we don't always, I don't think, make these you know, apple-to-apple comparisons. But they're, it's there, right? Because we're humans and we're we're we're, we're emotion led, and, and we have to be able to manage that effectively. What, what uh, if you don't mind sharing? What's your mantra? If you have, if you so I, I have uh, so two. It's in the the main one is um, go from here. Nice, I like that one. That's really go good. from here. So you met, you make a mistake, you know, unforced error, whatever. Go from here. So it's pot, you know, whatever. Yeah, I guess it's self-explanatory, but it's short. Mm, mm. practice it you know it's it, yeah. because when you're in the heat of the in the moment it's hard to you see so practice practice tennis court matches you know practice court and then the another one this is new and this just came up in the in a training i did the other day and i'm gonna i'm borrowing it from a new a newcomer yeah. young woman who just moved here from paris she got caught in the covid she was supposed to transfer here two years ago got caught in covid she's 10 years in in, in the company and she's a, a she's a salesperson yeah. and the idea of in sales and luxury sales we make judgments and as a recruiter you make judgments yeah. i'm going to just go out on a limb and say that you That's see somebody right. how they're dressed what their school what their education background is um how well they speak english or what we make judgments right yeah. It can harm you. It can, it can, if you, if you're predisposed to making a judgment, that's not really based on 
it can cause and, and on the on the opposite if you have an open mind if you're if you recognize and value and and welcome diversity mm. in those terms it can benefit you so her mantra she taught me the other day because it was part of a training that i was doing about cultural transformation and she said i hit you know she's like what you said about diversity and being an open mind she's like that's what i try to do and my what i say to myself is child's mind Ooh, that's a good one she says so every day she's in the boutique she tries to have a child's mind mm. meaning somebody comes in wearing you know what i mean right yeah. they don't look like a typical client of this maison you know whatever but if you predispose and you judge you might be missing out on a an opportunity right so that's a new one and i'm i'm trying to keep that in mind too a simple child's mind that's come in point. today i mean curious you know i want to i'm talking to to dr sweet you know and i'm not trying to sound smart or you know that'd be hard for me anyway but that's not the purpose <laughs> it's about it's about being curious and having an open conversation, you know, this kind of stuff. And I think it's beneficial in, in any kind of with my kids, you know, whatever in life. So anyway, there's two. That was a long answer. That's a good one. I like go from here and child's mind. Yeah. I, I had um, I, I ran a hundred K race. Wow. And I spent the first, I think I spent then. So you got plenty of time to think, right? A little bit different than in competitive. hundred K or hundred miles. hundred K hundred kilometers. Okay, man. And I spent the first hour just thinking of all the things I was thankful for. And boy, you know, after um, seven, eight hours of running, the mindset is in just a positive space after wow. having just set that the stage for that. So I think, you know, go from here, child's mindset and, you know, just having that positive, you start off with that positive frame. Creating a frame is huge, I mm. think. And, and that, uh, that really works. I, but my favorite that I stole from, uh, uh, running podcast I listened to was, uh, at the, and I saved this one for about a uh, kilometer 40 in a, in a marathon is, uh, release the Krakens. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like that's like beast mode kind of <laughs> beast mode, getting it. Yeah. And you got to have that energy too, right? Sometimes yeah. I'd be a rock star and, and get wow. that. Going. So when hundred, hundred K. That's ultra then that's, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, and that's, you find a lot out about yourself after, after you start, after the wheels start falling off. Oof. That's, that's brutal. <laughs> so talking about framing, let's move framing from the personal. Cause we've talked about, you know, the person let's bring it to a company and let's, okay. I know that you've helped companies around values. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, and you've worked with world-class companies like, you know, Adidas and Nissan and Cartier talk about creating values and, and, and how you, how that works for a company. How does that drive a company? Mm. Well, yeah, let me, it's a, that's a big topic. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm thinking of how to, to have it be in a sort of a digestible way and organize my thoughts a little bit, but um i have and it's it's an interesting thing because i have done it in from the perspective of you know from impact mm -hmm. when i was helping companies do that right that you know from a, a consulting perspective you know doing doing training programs to help people connect with those and then from an internal perspective so adidas had its core values and then nissan the new nissan way and then now i'm 
I'm actually doing. And it's pretty interesting when I step back and look at them. There's there are differences about you can see how a culture is is manifest or how it's um exemplified through the through the values that they that they say they value and then what what they actually do um but how do i do it i mean you know i think that there there are things it's it's a it requires consistent persistence as you said i like that it's not something that's overnight Mm-hmm. obviously yeah there's a there's a certain amount of fatigue that comes from this kind of thing i've noticed it you see yeah you know, so right now i'm a current company i'm in the right in it where we're doing something we have something that i basically came up with a, it's called dare Two. Mm-hmm. so we have a we have a brand around it and it's an acronym that fits well with our with our company competencies Mm-hmm. Um, but it has to do with also the kind of culture that we want to create. And so DARE2 stands for diversity and inclusion. So one team, you know, and, and this, this topic I was saying about when clientele comes in, you know, having, you know, so diversity, mm-hmm. accountability, mm. A, R is for risk-taking, E is for excellence, not perfection. That's an important distinction. For this. Mm-hmm. And then the two is for two-way feedback. Okay. So this is the this is the the values that we are right now. So I'm doing workshops on this. I'm we've done it in the office. Now we're rolling this out to the to the boutiques. We've done videos around it uh, with the executive committee. You know, uh, five of them contributed to this vid- video that we're using as a communication tool. And what I want to say about it is. We can do all the workshops, we can have all the videos, you can do all this stuff, but if it's not something that's really repeated at every opportunity by the executives, you know, when we say, hey, you know, I recognize this or this, you know, or, or if it's not reflected in, you know, what's evaluated, mm. it's really hard to get it to be part of the core of the, of the company that people get behind. I think the key for it is where is it coming from? Who's talking about it? Do they talk about it with conviction? Mm. You know, because it can have like people tell me not, man. So last year we had this two years ago, we had this catchy, catchy phrase. You know, what's different about this? I'm behind Mm. it. You know, I want to do, but what's different about this? And so you explain it. and, And so that, and, and Nissan was the same. Nissan's really good about that as far as it being a major initiative, a major engagement, very bureaucratic. Yeah. You see how this, but the, the development of it, the new mm-hmm. Nissan way, it's a couple of years in the making. So that's kind of interesting how the, the difference there. Adidas, very, very simple. Mm-hmm. The three C's. Uh collaboration confidence and creativity greasy mm-hmm. that's what we want and the simple the simplicity of that is is massive and that came from that was a global um a global initiative but i think it was successful because of the simplicity and also because of the 
you know, it's from the CEO of the whole company all the way down talking about it. There's buy-in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I think that what you, you know, just to kind of go back to what you said about, you know, persistency, consist, persistence and consistency, really key mm-hmm. um, for, for this to take hold because otherwise people get, get tired of it and say, like, ah, we heard this before, been there, done that. You yep. know? So that's for introducing those values and, and making them last. That's, that's key. There's a lot to unwrap there. I think I, I, I mean, the big takeaways, right. Is you're not going to ever make it. There's not an end game, right? That's right. So it's always educating. It's always using that opportunity to, to express those values to the team. Do you think I, and I, I've seen a lot of, uh, I've worked with companies where they roll out these values. A lot of times you put together a committee and you decide on what this is, or you bring in an external consultant and uh, they walk you through your values and you come up with your your core values to to work on. Right. Um, I've also seen that where top management says, this is our values and they move from there. Mm -hmm. And part of me thinks, wow, well, if top management will at least have the buy-in, they're going to yeah. walk the talk. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, there's a kind of mixture around all of that, I, th- I think. What do you, you know, in, especially in Japan, because that's where we're at, what do you think works best for, you know, foreign companies here, especially when the, comp- the, the values come from overseas, they're coming from France, New York, wherever. <laughs> And then they have to implement them here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. It's a good question. That um, My hesitation is I've got uh, my wheels in my mind are working because I've had various experiences with that particular aspect. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, coming from, like in the Adidas case, it was coming from... Um, coming from Germany, you know, that was done at, through a process with the executive team, with a consultant that got, you know, brought that out and they narrowed it down and, and communicated it that way. Mm-hmm. And I think it was very powerful. I think the simplicity, again, the simplicity of it, you know, who's not going to agree with those three things are, are really important. I think that that worked very well. On the other end of the spectrum here, the one I was talking about just a moment ago, the, the dare Two, that was, developed here in japan it's not a cartier uh global okay um, framework it's a japan one but but the reason it works here i believe it's working is it's based on it's based on data and feedback that we know about the company Mm. where we need to develop so we have employee engagement barometer we have 360 feedback for managers. We have um, other kinds of tools that we use to measure where we are, where we want to go. And so we've identified the things, you know, and then look at the context of our business environment right now, VUCA world, big time, right? Mm-hmm. We, we're in a state where we need agility. We need people to challenge. We need to change your trajectory of the sales, you know, you know, the trajectory right now is not where is 
right, not going to get us where we need to be. Mm. We need to change it. What do you need to do differently? Like all these things come together. It's like, there's the story. Yeah. Tell us these are the values. And if you can tell that story mm. where they didn't, they weren't just pulled out of a hat. The, the, the people, the company, the business environment is telling us this is what we need to do. Right. And this is where we need, if we do these things well, if we really, you know, not perfectly, but if we can do them well, that's going to get us to this, to this real target that we're aiming for. So I think it's, I, I don't think there's a one size fits all. I, sure. you know, I, I think it depends on the, and, and then Nissan in the middle of that is so different. It, it is by committee, literally by committee, you know, um, mm, yeah. process. I mean, they had the Nissan way for 20 years, Carlos gone. Yeah. And then there's new Nissan way. The new Nissan way has been launched, but it took about two years of development and that fit for Nissan, you know? So I think there's, there's, it depends on the company depends on the, the environment, the culture of the, mm. of the organization. Um, and I, I think to go into it, if you're a consultant, you know, I think it's having an open mind about what's going to be best for that, for that organization, or if you're learning a development professional, you know, what is the belt for that particular culture that you're working with? And so I think that um, having, you know, for me, that's one of the things I value the most about my kind of diverse career so far is that mm-hmm. I'm able to see these various aspects. What, what would you advise around L&D? It could be values, but it could be any L&D initiative for companies that don't have the luxury mm-hmm. of someone like you that, I mean, you've worked with companies that have generous um, budgets around LD and OD. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these companies, you know, foreign capital companies in Japan, they're just hundred, 200 people and they don't, they have an HR person or they have a couple of people that are around that. And, you know, management have to take some of that responsibility. How, what, what are some easy wins that a company can, can start putting together. Uh, <clears throat> if we if well, we were to sit down and pick the brains of William Neely, what what, what would we? Uh, you come into our, my company. What would you put in there? Well, okay. I mean, learn, read about it. Harvard Business Review. You know, LinkedIn Learning. You know, get a subscription to that. You know, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we do in, in my current company. Is everybody has a license to LinkedIn Learning which is uh, a on-demand, very wide-ranging resource mm-hmm. for any kind of, I mean, any kind of topic. And I'm sure there's a course in the hour long or maybe even a learning path. Yeah. It could be five days worth of stuff about culture transformation or instilling values. I mean... I would say start there, learn it. You know, it's, this is not, it, it's a very democratic world right now to learn and to, to do this stuff. You know, I'm, I, this is my job and it's great, but I, I dip in, I learn and I have my own experience, but I pick stuff up all the time. So I would say, start there, yeah. pick it up, make it your own. It doesn't have to be perfect. Test and learn, try something out, be confident about it. You know, talk like, you know, yeah. <laughs> when you're talking with your team, but also say, you know, like, Hey, let's try this. 
You know, I think that's that's where I would start. Um, there's plenty of resources. Heart, you know, HBR has got really good stuff too about this all this stuff. Um, one of the things we use a lot, and I, I, this is, it occurred to me uh, that the first experience I had with disc uh-huh. was with you. <laughs> It was it was with you. I remember that's a, it was probably the first time I spent. I mean, so to get me to the point is use tools to to, yes. to to test and measure and and feel what the culture is about and to understand that. So use tool. Yep. We use that. We use in disc now. I, I still use disc. Use it for all my hiring and training for all my my staff. So you were the, you were the first guy. I remember you did a session at the ACCJ. Yeah, back uh, in the day, about a, a year, an hour, hour and a half session on it. DISC. I remember that really well. You know, going to the corners of the room. I do the same kind of thing still. Um, but I, you know, make use and try and and, and uh, you know, I don't know if that's you know quick win, but I think again, it's you know, dip in and learn. You know, be a learner, be an agile learner. You know, demonstrate that and then try it. That's what I would suggest. And when we started, uh, you know, back in the day. And this was pre uh, LinkedIn learning and all the research that you did have available. We, we started, you know, we'd read books. And so we started uh, doing what's teachbacks and we still do teachbacks uh, where, you know, we'd read a book together and it's, a, you know, almost an office book club or, mm-hmm. or doing a lunch and learn where we're somewhat, and it was as diverse as we would do things about stress management or yoga or, mm-hmm. Uh, um, communication skills or sales skills, whatever. Um, but what we found was more than money, education and challenge was a better factor for retention. Hmm. And so I can't stress for that's why sitting down with you and sharing your your story and knowledge is is priceless for a lot of companies in Japan because if they're not implementing things, they should. Um, and they don't, if they don't have time, they should make time because it's the most important time that they'll have. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. And, and like you said, the, I, I like the lunch and learn. We suggested that or, you know, the, that kind of thing is don't forget about your, the internal knowledge that you have. You know, you've got experts in, in different things and, and learn and, and teach back. That's, that's, I think that's, that's great. And that to me, that's a real definition of a learning culture. Yep. That's yep. a learning culture, not having hiring. I mean, hiring a consultant or a trainer to come in and teach something, but if you're teaching each other in an organization, that's sustainable, that's motivating. That's, you know, it's a catalyst. So all of that. All of that. What um, so on this the flip side of that coin is what what pitfalls should companies stay clear of? Do you think around EDOD? One thing that that you see a lot that can cause um, a bit of skepticism, let's say, or or waste is not following up. You know, mm. starting and not finishing because it's, you know, wh- whether it's a training, whether it's a, you know, a lunch and learn, we call it, we have, we created something called knowledge hub where we have 
you know, internal employees talking about their area of expertise to other to people as wider is kind of like a lunch and learn, but we use mm-hmm. it as virtual. Follow through with it, you know, you know, have a next step because it's not just that that moment. Learning requires follow up. I think the title of this 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 podcast today might be persistent consistency. I think I like it, it. I think it summarizes. It just encapsulates so much because you do something even a little bit. It's like I guess you know the one percent rule. That one percent, yeah, yeah. That trajectory. <laughs> if you look a year from now, do you want to be here or you know? So do that one percent. That's it, you know. I, and and so the things that you're doing, what are you one percent better than you were? And if you're doing a train, so a pitfall might be, yeah, we did this, you know, a 360 survey for all our managers, and then and then what happened? Mm. What did you do with it? Was there follow up? Like, that's the part because if there's not, it can have the reserve the reverse effect, right? It can have the opposite effect at which you're looking. People become, you know, jaded or. It, it all is worse than having maybe not done it in the first place. And so yeah. I, I, I think that's one thing that in any place I've been um, where you see success, it could be something about talking to a manager. You know, if you take a training, okay, one of the things they need to do after is share that with your manager, share that with your team. What'd you learn? Yeah. That's a follow simple, I'm not saying teach the course over, but share it. If you do a LinkedIn course, share it. What did you learn? Spend 15 minutes at the next team meeting to say this, hey, I did this this course. This is the, the key learning that I took out of it. I wanted to share it with y'all. So those kind of things. I applaud that. That's I, spot on. Yeah, I think that's the biggest. In my experience with training, it's um, the biggest pitfall. You have the managers that uh, need to tick off that box, training box, did it for the, the quarter of the year, done. Um, yeah. it, uh, same with appraisals. I mean, one-year appraisals, it doesn't help develop anyone. It's just check boxes. I th- mm-hmm. That's part of the reason I think I've moved, part of the reason I moved towards a more coaching-centric mm-hmm. uh, for what I implement within our organization or for myself. Because it's sustained, you keep on doing it. It's not coming in and doing a training session. You have a coach that you meet every week or every other week and it holds accountable and there's sustainable change, right? That's mm-hmm. what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, you've, you've shared a lot of, uh, of information. Any, anything you'd leave us with? Any uh, tips? Well, what's our omiyage for, for uh, the day, William? Yeah. Okay. So, so, so the question is: Leave us with the with the the crystallized wisdom that I've got in this the fifteen years <laughs> of my. That's a that's a that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I I think um, what I would say. I, I'm on the journey myself. Yeah. I, I I don't really. I feel like the value that I add is that I'm, I'm along for the ride and I want to, I want to represent that. I, I, I think that I'm a curious person. Um, I might have some expertise in some areas because I've been doing it now. And, and because I, I dive in and try to learn and I share that I share my vulnerability 
Mm. Um, I think that's important for me. Not everybody, you know, we talk about disc and you talk about person, you know, personality styles and things like that. But for me, it's like, be open, yeah. be curious, say, if you don't know something, it's okay. That's, you know, cause people, other people can learn from what you don't, if you ask a question and say, you know, there's, you're not the only person that doesn't know that thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we can, ha- to me, when we talk about learning culture in an organization, if, if a lot of people are that way, including the CEO, including the executive team, it creates a space where, the, you know, to use the term we, that's going around a lot right now, psychological safety. Mm-hmm. People are, it's okay to not know, but, but learn. It's okay to not know, but what are you going to do? Learn really good at this, but what are you going to do to improve it? Mm. And having those, that kind of approach is, is, I think that's the kind of company I want to work for. It's the kind of family that I want to raise. Um, it's the kind of friends I want around. I think it's one of the things that I connected with you early on, just in one early conversations is just, you know, you say, Hey man, you know, what do you, what do you know? Let's talk about this, you know, like mm. That and I, I think you know that's that's what I'd want to say. I just I encourage that kind of curiosity and openness, um, and I think that that can really create a, a company where people want to work. That's awesome. But it reminds me of a mantra I've heard. Uh, maybe child's mind. Child, hey, boom! There it is. Love it. There yeah. it is. You've, yeah. you've really you've really encapsulated that. Well, thank you for for sharing your your wisdom and your experience. You are a generous and conscientious and down-to-earth guy and uh, it's always energetic to talk to you i always get uh, energized we're always uh, back and forth <laughs> i loved it so so yeah. thank you for for sharing today william bet thank you david